0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. An article recently caught my attention about the prevalence of fear in American Christian congregations. The the article indicated that 69% of pastors believe there is a growing sense of fear within their congregations about the future of our nation and the world we're living in. 69% of pastors felt this growing sense of fear. Then, 63% of pastors say their churches have a similar increasing fear about the future of Christianity in the U.S. and around the world. So, 69% of pastors report A strong sense of fear within their congregations about the future of the nation and the world, and 63% are also fearful about the future of Christianity. Now, when I read that opening paragraph of this article, I thought, man, that is really bad and things have really gotten worse. But then I kept reading, and here's what I discovered things haven't changed too much. You see, this was a study that was being repeated after having been done periodically over the last several years. So what these numbers actually show is that things haven't really changed too much. As a matter of fact, the percentages vary only just slightly. In 2010, 76% said there was a growing fear for the nation and the world. In 2011, it was 73% about 74% in 2014, and now it's down to 69% today. So within a five-percentage-point range for almost the last 15 years, these numbers have about remained the same. And the similar kind of reports, 63% about the concern of Christianity, is also about the same as has been over the years. Now, when you bore down into this uh, study, it's even more interesting on some different levels. The highest levels of fear are among white, Midwestern, small churches with 50 or less in attendance. And the least fearful are, quite frankly, African-American congregations, which typically have a perspective on the future that's more positive than maybe some of these other groups might have. Well, All of this conversation about fear, people thinking it's getting a lot worse when it really isn't, caused me to think about a study that I've done in the past on fear from a biblical perspective. And so while this podcast is not normally devoted over to preaching and teaching in the sense of uh, the Bible and going through verses and all of that, today I'd like to do a little bit more of that. Because I'd like to talk with you about fear. If 69 to 63% of American church, American pastors report a significant sense of fear and dread and concern in their churches, and that number hasn't really changed that much over, say, the last 12 to 15 years, what's going on with us? Why are we so afraid? And what can we do about that? Well, I believe that God made people to fear. Now, you may say, oh, no, fear is a sin, fear is bad, fear is to be avoided, fear is to be overcome. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to start at the very beginning, and that is that I believe God made people with the capacity for fear. Now here's why I believe that. The first time that fear is mentioned in the Bible is in a negative context. It's right after Adam and Eve sin, God came looking for them and called out Where are you? Genesis three nine. And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. Adam answered God's question by saying, I was afraid. This is the first emotion expressed after sin entered the world. And it's the first time fear is mentioned in the Bible. But I don't think you can read into that the conclusion that fear is always sin. Why not? Because the Bible has an overwhelmingly positive message about fear. The Bible says, repeatedly, fear the Lord. That's a very positive statement and a very positive practice. Fear the Lord. So what happened when Adam sinned? Did humankind have the capacity for fear before sin into the world? My contention is yes. Here's why. I believe that God created Humans with the capacity to fear him. And when sin entered the world, sin marred everything, including the human capacity for fear. Now think about it God created humans people, you and me, to fear him. He made us with that capacity. He would not have told us to fear him had if he had not made us with the capacity to do the same. So I believe that Adam and Eve, for example, were created with the capacity to fear God. And then sin came along. And when sin entered the world, it broke everything. And everything that was good now had a bad component. So I believe that while God made us with the capacity to fear him, sin so warped that capacity, listen carefully, that we now fear everything else but God. We fear people. We fear circumstances. We fear the outcomes of natural disasters. We fear getting sick. We fear failing. We fear public speaking. We're afraid of spiders. We are afraid of everything. We are drowning in an overwhelming sea of fear. No wonder 70% of pastors think their churches are full of people captured by fear. But God said, fear him. And so the challenge we have as believers is to face up to fear And not just face our fears, but try to replace that process with a proactive determination to fear in the way we were designed to fear, to fear God. So God made you to fear him. You can choose to practice the fear of God. And when you do that, you proactively implement the way God made you to fear him and resist instead fearing everything else but God. So what is it? What does it mean to fear God? Well, uh, the Bible has two or three suggestions that might help us shape a definition to describe the fear of God. First, fearing God begins with humility. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility, the fear of the Lord, results in wealth, honor, and life. Now, in this verse, humility and the fear of the Lord are juxtaposed against each other, put up against each other in a comparative kind of way that says, in some sense, that they have a compatible meaning. Humility, the fear of the Lord, results in wealth, honor, and life. Some people mistakenly think humility is self-abasement. I wrote about this in much more detail in my book, The Character of Leadership. Some people think humility is self-abasement, constantly putting themselves down. That is not humility. Humility is accurate self-appraisal. Humility is, this is who I am. This is who God made me to be. I'm not going to try to be more than I'm made to be. I'm not going to be frustrated with what I was not made to be. I'm going to accept who I am and who God made me to be. And I'm going to recognize how great God is and how limited I am in comparison. So humility is accurate self-appraisal. I know who I am. I know who God made me to be. And I know how great God is and how insignificant I am in comparison to him, but that does not mean I'm insignificant because I was made by him. It's a balanced view of how God sees us and how we see ourselves as a result. Fearing God begins with humility. But it also involves obedience. In Ecclesiastes 12:13, the Bible says, Fear God and keep his commands. Meaning one seems to follow out of the other. Fear God and keep his commands. This is illustrated in so many different stories in the Bible, but just take the one of Abraham's near sacrifice of his son Isaac. Abraham demonstrated his fear of God by keeping his commands even as personally devastating as they first appeared to be. So fearing God begins with humility, and it continues with obedience. There's another component, however, and that is accountability. Again, continuing that verse, fear God and keep his commands, the next verse in Ecclesiastes 12:14 says, "For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil." So, the idea continues to flow out of that first phrase, "Fear God and keep his commandments," for God is going to reveal everything in due time, both good and evil. Accountability flows out of the fear of God. Now, accountability can seem like a heavy burden. It's a word that seems oppressive, but it's not. Accountability to God is not destructive. It's not oppressive. It's not mean-spirited, nor is it designed to induce or produce only shame and shortcoming in our lives. Accountability is, carries with it all these negatives only when the standard of judgment and the judge involved in enforcing that standards is unfair. That is not God. Romans 2, 2 says, We know that God's judgment is based on the truth. So you have nothing to fear. To be concerned about, to be shamed regarding, to feel oppressed under when it comes to being accountable to God, because he is truth and he will only hold you accountable in a truthful way. So what then is the fear of God? Well, I define it this way. It's humbly obeying God and being accountable to him. When I say I fear God, I'm saying I will humbly obey God and be accountable to him. That definition is based on these passages of scripture that I've been reading and talking with you about. Humbly obeying God and being accountable to him. Now, there are many places in the Bible where God commands us to fear him. Just one, Deuteronomy 6.13, fear the Lord your God, worship him. And then from the uh, New Testament, 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, that declarative statement. You and I are commanded to fear God. You find this command throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. But again, you might think, oh, command, oh, that's going to be so hard. Oh, it's all about coming up to the standards and proving myself worthy. And no, it's none of that. Because listen to another great truth about fearing the Lord. And that is God delights in people who fear him. Psalm 47:11. "The Lord values those who fear Him." Wow, when we humbly obey God with accountability toward Him, we are fulfilling God's command, and we are enjoying His delight. He values us when we fear him. Now, besides those two core statements, the Bible then goes on to describe many other benefits of fearing God. And it's interesting to me how many of these benefits contradict and countermand the things we're most afraid of in our world today. When we fear God, he gives us so many benefits That come out of that decision that overwhelm so many of the other fears we have in life. So rather than focusing on overcoming all your fears, I want you to focus on fearing God, meaning you humbly obey him with a sense of accountability to him, knowing that if you live that way in the fear of God, so many of the other fears in your life will evaporate not by focusing on your fears, but by instead focusing on the fear of God. Let me give you some examples. First of all, fearing God is closely related to feeling loved. Psalm 103, 17, 13, and 17. Listen to these words. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. God's love is expressed toward people who fear him. And his love is so extravagant that the Bible said it is as high as as the heavens are above the earth. And these illustrations that are used of, compassion, of a father having compassion on his children is a good example, a good earthly example of how God feels about us. God's love is extravagant and intense, expressed toward those who fear him. You know, one of the great fears that many people have today is the fear of being alone, the fear of being left out, the fear of being unloved. And so because they fear being alone, because of those fears, people do all kinds of destructive things. Driven by fear, they find themselves making relationship decisions, career choices, moral uh, choices. They find themselves doing things that they would never do if they weren't overcome by the fear of not being loved. If you fear God, The Bible says his love will overwhelm you. And because God's love is so overwhelming, so intense, so all-encompassing, so super-saturating, other fears evaporate. Well, here's another one. Fearing God brings you the benefit of finding wisdom. Now, finding wisdom isn't about mysterious thoughts just forming in your mind. It's allowing God's word to shape your thinking. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fearing God produces wisdom by changing how we think and by changing the foundation upon which we make decisions and base our lives. Fearing God brings wisdom. Uh, Another source of fear in our world today, people are afraid of making bad decisions. They're afraid of taking the wrong job, buying the wrong house, investing in the wrong fund. They're afraid of uh, going to the wrong school, doing the wrong major, or something like that. They're afraid. And they know that on most of these issues, there's no chapter and verse that spells out exactly what they're supposed to do. They know that these are decisions that require wisdom. And we're so afraid that we're going to blow it. Because of those fears of making mistakes in judgment, we find ourselves immobilized, unable to move forward, cautious, missing opportunities, not knowing what to do, expressing, living in a lack of confidence. But the Bible says you don't have to live that way. But rather than focusing on trying to overcome all those fears, fear God and find wisdom. Humbly obey God and be accountable to him. How? Well, the proverb says it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Immerse yourself in God's word. Learn everything you can about what he thinks about life, about relationships, about money, about work about the things that really matter in life, and let that wisdom so permeate your thinking that whenever you make a natural decision about any of these issues in everyday life, wisdom flows out of you in ways you may not even know or understand. Here's another way that fearing God helps. Fearing God leads to feeling satisfied. People who fear God discover what it feels like to have enough to be satisfied. Proverbs 15:16 says, "Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil." Better a little with the fear of the Lord. Meaning that when you fear the Lord, what you have is going to be strangely satisfying another set of fears that people are plagued by today fall under the label of FOMO fear of missing out never being satisfied I'm afraid I'm, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm afraid I'm wearing the wrong clothes. I'm afraid I'm going to the wrong restaurants. I'm afraid I don't know what the latest celebrity gossip is. I'm afraid I didn't keep up with my sports team. I'm afraid of somebody asking me something I don't know about. I'm afraid of being embarrassed because something will be out on social media and I don't get the joke. I'm afraid. And so I'm constantly in turmoil because I'm afraid I'm missing out. I'm, I'm just never satisfied, never settled. The Bible says, if you fear the Lord... If you fear the Lord, that is better than having great treasure because you'll be satisfied with the little that you have, the little that you know. You'll just be satisfied. You say, well, does the fear of the Lord then kill ambition? No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about this unsettledness, this lack of satisfaction, this constant churn in your life to get more. The Bible says the fear of the Lord overcomes all those fears. You know, as a part of this, people who fear the Lord and feel satisfied, enjoy the prosperity they have. Deuteronomy 6.24 says, The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity and our preservation. In other words, when you fear God, you'll have prosperity and you'll be preserved. You say, oh, that sounds like get rich quick. No, it means that you're going to change so many of your perspectives that your prosperity will have a new definition and your preservation will be evident daily. You know, when you fear the Lord, he minimizes your lust for more and limits your wasteful spending, and makes you more generous. And all of these kinds of things lead to greater prosperity and preservation and sometimes even generational wealth gains. Oh, fearing the Lord, it's satisfying in very practical ways. And then finally, fearing God, helps us to live right and make better moral choices. It says in 2 Corinthians 7.1, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion, get the last phrase, in the fear of God. We're going to cleanse ourselves from impurities, especially of the flesh and spirit, of our bodies and minds, of our actions and thoughts. We're going to clean, cleanse ourselves because we fear the Lord. Listen, here's what I'm trying to convince you of today. Fear's real. And these pastoral surveys that say that People in our churches are full of fear about their church and about our world and about our country. That stuff's real. But the solution is not so much confronting every single one of these fears that every single one of these people has, which is an inevitable, perpetual leadership quest that leads to futility. The better solution is to fear the Lord, to recognize that we were created with the capacity for fear. So instead of letting sin mar that capacity and motivate us to fear everything else, we bring ourselves to this focus. We will fear. We will practice fear we will focus on fear. We will actually even celebrate fear as long as it's the fear of God. We will fear God by humbly obeying Him and being accountable to Him. We will do this not because it's an onerous demand, but because he delights in us and we delight in him when fear marks our relationship. And we know that when we fear God, we will feel loved and that will overcome all the fears of loneliness and aloneness and isolation that are real in our world. When we fear God, we find wisdom. And this overcomes all the fears of bad decisions and bad choices and bad actions based on the knowledge that the world is feeding into our lives. We overcome all those fears because now we're deciding out of the fear of God. When we fear God, we feel satisfied. Rather than constantly trying to get more and being enslaved to the fear of missing out, we fear God and we enjoy a profound level of personal satisfaction. So today on the podcast, we've started by saying, yes, people are afraid and pastors recognize that. But I've tried to encourage you strongly. Recapture the fear you were made to practice, the fear of God. If you will do that, you will enjoy all these benefits and you will fear as you were designed to do. You will fear God rather than fear everything else. The fear of God, it brings delight to our lives as we lead on.